Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It is with deep regret that I start this episode on a sad note and offer condolences from all at Beast Tactical to Greville Waterman, who recently lost his best friend and soulmate to turn his entire world upside down. It's hard to find the right words, so I won't make a mess of it. But what I will say is our hearts go out to Greville and family right now, suffering in the most terrible of ways. Greville is Brentford, and Brentford is Greville. Greville, we dedicate this episode to you. Hello and welcome to the Bees Tactical Podcast, where we try to get under the bonnet of all things tactical and statistical at Brentford. I'm David Anderson, your host for today, and for this special preview episode, where I hope I can sort my feeds out before I'm pressed into oblivion, I'm delighted to be joined by one of my favourite Brentford football minds, Jonathan Hope. Jonathan, how are we? And thank you for joining us. I'm, I'm really well. Thank you for having me on. No problem at all, mate. Yeah, it's, um, it's good to get you on. Yes, yeah, uh, as I was saying, one of my favourite minds, uh, you're... Um, you're a Brentford fan and you're pretty knowledgeable. Do you want to um, just explain to listeners some of the stuff you do and what you do in a professional capacity? Yeah, yeah. So for the last two and a half years, I've been uh, with Chelsea Football Club, um, just working with their performance analysis team, uh, working mainly with the uh, under nines up to the under under 18s, uh, more efficiently with the younger age groups. Um, and just being that second hand to the, to the coaches, really, and also helping develop uh, players' learning. Um, I've also, yeah, so about three years in performance analysis now. Um, I started at London Irish as an internship, so I've had that little bit of a mix with rugby and football. So yeah, it's been a good learning experience, just looking forward to the future as well. Yeah, great stuff. It sounds like a good body of work, mate. Um, definitely a good uh, a good value to, to chat about bees and um, yeah, both from a, from a fan perspective and um, and well, generally knowing what you're what you're chatting about too. So looking forward to it. Um, should we get straight into it? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay, so Barnsley, Barnsley, Barnsley. Where on earth do we begin with that one? Um, I guess, firstly, we have to compliment the opposition. Uh, I think it was a deserved 2-0 win. Um, game plan was excellent, executed perfectly. Uh, what, what was your overall assessment? Um, well... I think we all just get a bit of um, have nightmares, don't we, when we think of Barnsley. Uh, when it comes to Brentford, they pressed us so hard that you know they suffocated the life out of us very early on as well. Um, they clearly see that you know um, we've we struggled early on in games, um, and they did that for the first ten minutes. Rightly went one 0 up, um, but you know they just absolutely suffocated the life the life out of us. Um, they had that really real high risk, um, high risk and high reward strategy going on at Barnsley so uh, yeah thoroughly deserved 2-0 win uh, we have no complaints it was just an off day I thought for us just a, you know first touch wasn't there um, first pass it's just one of them we've got to just learn from it and move on yeah Ishmael's doing a, um, a seriously good job there like to get the team to carry out that plan um, as you say we were completely off it but I, I think a lot of that was to do with how good they were as well just not giving us any time at all um, just on that first touch and then just having players uh, out of possession whenever we got the ball just blocking us back there was nothing we could really do and you are trusting our players to play out of it and um, there's so many yeah so many questions we've got like on the Barnsley press and um, we'll go on to a couple of second 
go on to them in a second but um, they made us look really ordinary for long periods and I think um, you just do have to credit the opposition yeah absolutely yeah and I thought they came with the game plan they stuck to it substitutes were superb you could see they freshen up their centre forwards from the from the Wednesday game against Chelsea as well real keen um, to press high and uh, force us long and they'll go and win them second balls yeah it was such a good game plan um a lot of the questions we've had in are on the Barnsley press so I'm just going to start off with this one quickly so it just says like how can we beat the intense press and do Barnsley do it better than most uh, that's from NDR and um, another one in from Simon Radford says Barnsley have beaten us twice in recent outings with a smothering high press uh, some niggling fouls and seemingly some man-to-man to stalk Jenny Flo why haven't other teams do this and what makes Barnsley special mm. well I think uh, I think everyone does it now in regards to niggling little uh, fouls, you know, cute little fouls, you know, not wearing in danger, but just stopping that flow of play. That's a real common theme in games at the moment. Um, Brentford have been guilty of it. Everyone does it, you know, just stopping that flow of play. Barnsley did it exceptionally well on Sunday. Just any sort of rhythm we got into, whether it was very half-hearted, it was... Um, they just stopped us and they regrouped into that five at the back, into the compact three in the midfield. And um, yeah, they we had we had no answer for it. Um, they are definitely the best. At pro- they probably are one of the best of doing it in the division. Um, and uh, yeah, I think they are in a in a good position to start start challenging for the playoffs this year. Definitely. Yeah, that's um, that's yeah, that's a big claim. I think you're you're not far off there though. They're looking like a team that's sort of mid table and a good bit of luck and good tactics on their side could push them right up it. So um, yeah, there's. There's um there's definitely momentum and there's definitely something going their way and you can see they're building something there but yeah I just um just before we go further on I think it's probably good to start on their press because it's it's something it's just a word like press just gets banded about a little bit and it it just means so many different things to different mm. coaches and I think we've kind of it's just kind of lazily been t- tagged as like really it's it's how you act up, uh, out of possession basically and what you do when the ball's in different areas and I think the difference with Barnsley and it's coming through in a lot of questions people are trying to understand this and what it means to Barnsley to press and um, mm. how they forced us back and how they made us um, how they made us basically mess up on the ball or, or just or hit it long or basically not play out and not play our game is what pressing means to them it means blocking a team back as far as you can and so the idea of pressing, I guess, has come around as a as a consequence of teams who are really good on the ball and who can just play through you. If you think about like who the richest teams are, Man City, Barcelona, what do they do? They just play football from back to front, control the ball. So if you're a poorer team where you have weaker, inferior players, what are you going to do? You're going to try and disrupt that as high up the field, which is risky. You said it in the beginning, it's risk-reward. So Barnsley are really good at pinning teams back. And we, I, I don't know, what do we, we couldn't really cope with it. I mean, we've seen it before. We've seen us fail and... Um, and uh, we struggled big time on Sunday. Yeah, um, I think a common theme, I think, from their press from the front was, you know, um, they they were very happy for Henrik Dalsgaard to have the ball on the right-hand side. Um, and too many times, you know, they were so compact in midfield. Anytime Joshua Silva or Godos or even uh, Vitaly Janel tried to receive the ball, bang, straight on to him. Uh, and there wasn't a lot of options. Um too many times it was a case of Dalsgaard trying to find Tony, but again it comes back to that. You know, it wasn't our day in the sense of you know too many off balls, too many bad first touches, and they were able to recycle that very easily. Um, as a collective, you know, Barnsley just had that that team collective. They w- they weren't in individuals, and they were able to they knew where to press at the right time um, and recycle that second ball. I guess another way to think about this is I reckon like simplifying it. Maybe this might be. A good, um, a good thought experiment. So, if you if you're Brentford and you you come up against a team like Barnsley, you know they're one of the top three or most intense pressers in the league. Um, they're going to push themselves and and try and you know try and try and exploit your your possession play and make you basically make you make errors around your own goal and give the ball away. Like, how do you how would you solve that problem? So, what would you do if this team plays at such a high tempo? They play in a three four three or three four one two, whatever you want to call it. 
they've got wing backs those going up and down how if you think about Brentford's system like what do you trust your players to play through it or do you if you think about winning 21 odd game not sorry winning being unbeaten for 21 odd games and you've got a system do you do you change it for that one game or do you just do you just just trust your players to to cope and and get you through well that that's that's it isn't it you know 21 games got us uh, successfully um through what we've virtually been doing um up to sunday um and you know, do you really go and do a drastic change, as in going three at the back or um, you know a, a two up front, for example? Do you, do you change it just for that one game? Um, you know, I think in hindsight, Thomas Frank would probably have, you know, obviously it probably would have changed things just um, maybe because of how Barnsley did startle us. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult to say. I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah, a lot of the other. Um questions we have are talking about um they're quite yeah they're quite insightful actually i think people are starting to notice this left foot left foot combo mm. of ethan pinnock and um, mads beck Sorensen, and it's a it's an interesting discussion and i think it could be spoken about for hours so we probably might not do it justice but i reckon we get into it a little bit so if it's a good way to think about these centre-back pairings having a right and left back centre-back right-footed centre-back and a left-back as their strongest feet gives you that balance to go both ways so you can go out to the right you can go out to the left at speed um, Pinnock is left-footed. We all know that, and he's playing playing on the right side is not ideal. But he can he can play there, and a lot of teams won't expose it. I think that's why you play him there because some teams don't have that high pressing line. Their pressing line is a little bit further back, or they'll wait on the halfway line and they'll just sit deep, or or that space in between which just seems a bit of a wasted area against Brentford. You just your, your pressing line is a bit deeper. Are we um, how how do you feel about this this back pairing? Is it something that is a bit of a problem now, or is it? Is it just that it's only a team like Barnsley that can expose it, and we can we can basically write loads of the other teams off, or is there something deeper going on here? I think it's I think it's a difficult one. I don't think it's a case of a black and white. It's it's an issue because they're both left footed. I don't think that's the case at all. Um, yes, there is strengths and there is weaknesses to it. Yeah, there was times you know where Pinnock does look a bit one sided, you know, and he's forced one way. And uh, as I was saying, because it was very much you know the Raya into the Pinnock and then Dalsgaard and then Dalsgaard only had one option to go and that was to long to Tony and obviously they pick up second balls. Uh, but there have been other occasions, you know. I, I would I thought um, the other night I thought Sorensen and Pinnock were very good on the ball actually, um, trying to find them progressive passes. Um, I go back to the Swansea game as well. Pinnock on the right hand side, we where we you know. So much time on the ball, Pinnock was able to find that crossfield pass uh, to Rico Henry, who had that glorious opportunity in that game. So, I mean, you're not. I suppose there is a. a you're not going to play a, a high press inside every week, um, and do we have the players available at the moment to um, to uh, to have uh, to restrict that press? You know, who to beat that press? I should say instead of restrict. So I mean, for me, Ethan Pinnock um, and Mads Beck are obviously your your best centre halves at the moment. So um, and that and they've stabled a twenty one run, you know, until Pontus Janssen's back fit. Uh, then I think that's probably the best way to go. Yeah, I think I agree. I think um, another point that we've had in and stressed is, um, and it's it's been spoken about in our circles a little bit as well. Um, basically, this schedule. So. We all, I think we can all see that Barnsley are quite, they're an intense pressing team and they're going to push us right back. Um, if you do have a player who is left footed on his wrong side and his right isn't, it's not his swinger, he can use his right, but if you get him at the right angles and you get him forced in the right way, he's he has to use that left foot and then you can block his um, passing angles out even further. Do we, because of this schedule, do we have the time to say, right lads, we're going to play 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 three, three this week, let's train for it? And is there any space between these games? Because we're already about to play QPR. It feels like it feels like the final whistle for Barnsley went off the other day. Is there a case of you're not you're not throwing the game, but you're just saying, right, let's put our boys out there. Let's 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 hope the system they know well takes them through this. Is there you'll probably understand this, I guess, from actually working in football. Is there any time to do any coaching here or is it just is it just get these lads out, get them fit, and then get them ready for the next game? I think, I think, considering they've had some extremely high intensity football matches recently, you know, Middlesbrough's Reddings uh, and Barnsley at the weekend, it is all about recovery at the moment. They, they would have probably, I, I don't know the schedule, but I can only presume they were probably in for recovery yesterday. Maybe walk through a few, a few things, but um, 
it's nev- it's not going to be anything strenuous and um it has been more walking through tactically um as far as getting that chemistry and combinations right at center right it can be a little bit more difficult but you know um they're professional professional footballers professional athletes so um they if if they do decide to to change it then i'm sure they'll they'll uh, relish that opportunity yeah there's another one here i guess before we talk about like maybe some of the individual incidents um has the two left footed uh, has the two left footed center back situation become a genuine problem or is it just bad defending uh, in my opinion it is in my opinion, it is, and I'd bring in Reed if he's fit enough. It limits our passing ability from the back, which showed with Barnsley, and that was from uh, Sluman B, uh, Lewis Sluman. What do you, what do you, what's your take there? See, for me, I, I mean, Winston Reed. I mean, he's not played much football. I think uh, before he signed for us, I think he played his first forty-five minute game for West Ham United in an under twenty-three game. I think he played eighteen minutes for the B team the other night. You're going into a game, in my opinion, against Queen's Park Rangers, where they are are going to try and replicate Barnsley. Whether they do that as well, I'm I'm I don't know, but I think you'll see very similar styles of play from Queen's Park Rangers. They will try and press us really high, um, and it's whether you know um, Winston Ree will be able to cope with that, and whether he's he's fit enough to do that. I mean, we don't know. Um, he's certainly a good enough defender. He's he's got an incredible pedigree so um yeah i mean hopefully we'll see him soon because you know he's, he's he's great he's great name to have but um yeah I, I i would be surprised if he changed it and that's just my personal opinion reed is it feels like a bit of a circumstantial signing like yeah. um you feel like you need a body in um there's links old links between um frank and him and he's available and he was there and but yeah, I, I just don't think I just don't know how many thirty-two-year-old centre backs who've not played for a long time just come into the championship and then start strolling around making fifty odd passes a match. It, it just it doesn't happen, does yeah. it? There's not many of them, so I don't know why we think Reed all of a sudden is going to come in and solve our problems because mate, it's quite easy to think about our defenders as actual defenders, and we're getting exposed at the back with some individual defensive errors. But really, our defenders our defenders are kind of there to to start up our possession game and then give us time for the next few lines forward to get into their positions to receive the ball ahead up the pitch. It's not really, they're not really spending most of their time defending. So I think we can think about them probably too defensively. And and um, there's always this thing where like, if, if a, basically a player's not playing, he just becomes better than he is and all of a sudden he solves all your problems because he's not there and then he comes into the team and everything's okay. And it doesn't it doesn't really work like that. Um, my, my opinion on Reed is if he was going to solve any problems um, I think they'd have just chucked him straight in because mm. you get Pinnock back on his side um, Reed playing on the right that's that's optimum isn't it like you have a right footer and left footer what, I couldn't, what do you I, reckon? I, I couldn't agree more I think um, I, I mean I can't remember when he came in now maybe it was about four five games ago now but, I mean if per, if per se you know we had lost that first game or and, and then yeah maybe they would have looked at it and gone yeah we'll, we'll chuck him straight in because you know we've got some high um, you know some competitive games coming up and it's a, a really tough schedule but you know it is you know they have a winning mentality at the moment uh, and do you change that okay they are they've just started to creep in some defensive mistakes um but yeah I, th- I, I, I it's a settled back four so i don't think he would be too majorly concerned um i think if you overanalyze the the goals that we have conceded um in the last few weeks, I think you know Reading was a penalty. Was it a penalty? Probably not. Um, well, uh, the Middlesbrough goal again from a set piece. Um, so I think we're only probably overanalyzing the the back four just from Saturday's game, uh, Sunday's game. Sorry, just because you know. But I think we can just really write that off as just a bad day at the office. Um, and it, the most important thing is that they go and just show that reaction tomorrow night yeah I, I think you're right there on the um the bad day at the office and uh I think Frank's interview afterwards he basically conceded that we'd been played off the park Barnsley were the better team they got it right on the day uh we our plan didn't quite work um but yeah sometimes I think we just get caught up on thinking that we just go out there do our thing and then we just win when there's actually another team there and if they have a plan and it's a good plan and then 
that plan comes off there's not really much you can do because it's such a good like it's such a good plan if they've got players where they need to have them and our options are low and we start as you were saying pinging the ball long to Tony which I think was part of the plan actually just to bypass that midfield area to get it forward but yeah absolutely if Tony Tony was up against three centre-backs a lot Mm -hmm. of the time so his touch his next touch was going out wide but and Bemo couldn't get there for the flick on it was Mm -hmm. just being cleaned up and it, it it just was a ragged day and that's where I think a lot of the conversations come in about was that the right formation or was that the right shape and then you're kind of on the back foot should should he have changed something I don't know I don't think you can I think yeah I think I mean I felt sorry for Mbwemo a little bit because every time I'm watching uh, Brian I'm I'm seeing him so defend he's so deep and he's so wide he as soon as he gets the ball he's have he has two men around him um, and he's not affecting the play where he wants it to to be but I think you're absolutely right. In regards to going long to Tony, that was definitely planned. But I just the wingers needed to be a little bit close, uh, a little bit closer. But then that goes back to their wing backs. You know, Styles and Britain for Barnsley are very, very effective going forward. Um, and it, it was just that mindset of we didn't really know whether to go and press them or sit back. We were just caught in a bit of treacle. And yeah, it was just one of them days. Barnsley did a job on us. Um, never mind happens also i reckon we've got to get a bit more graceful with losing i think we just forgotten what it's like to lose you go 21 games unbeaten and then you lose and you think the whole world's falling down and the manner of the loss may have had a bit of an impact there but barnsley are a good team and i think um anyone who didn't know that type of performance was coming um yeah was maybe living under a bit of a rock because they're they're one of the best teams in the league. They're just um, quite low down. They're probably mm. not reflecting of how good they are. And that might be because they've got young players and um, mm. not everyone... Basically, and this I probably should add this, actually, because it came from some of the questions. I can't remember from who, but there's a lot of things saying, like, why don't Barnsley do that every week and why aren't they top? And I think the re- it's, it's a bit of a silly question, really, because not everyone has... Not everyone is Brentford, basically. That, that pressing system doesn't work against everyone because some teams do just they don't make many passes in their own half basically they make all their passes in the final third so they get the ball forward quickly so you negate the press like the high, a high press doesn't really mean anything if you're just pumping the ball long and playing for knockdowns in the other half so um it's not the end of the world uh we took a bit of a beating but um i think uh, the fixture schedule and how and how quickly these fixtures come round gives you a chance to to say right, let's write that off. Let's put this right against um, against QPR. Well, they've got to, haven't they? It's, it's just a massive reaction needed on Wednesday. You know, as as I alluded to, you know, it, the recovery will be so important. They've played so many games in such a short amount of time, um, and it will be another game where um, a lot of energy will be exceeded, and they've just got to rise to the challenge. Just like before we sort of leave um, Barnsley and move on to QPR. I think hindsight is a good thing, and you can see afterwards. But would you have would what would you have done? Would you have approached that game differently if you were if you were leading that team? Would you have would you have kept the the same system, or would you have gone for the three points? Because I, I don't I don't want that to sound like we gave the three points up. But would you have done more to match Barnsley, or would you have would you have gone out with how Frank did? Uh, I mean, if if you're managing any team that's won twenty one games, uh, unbeaten in twenty one games, sorry then you're going to stick to that same system. I do believe that you would stick to that same system um, because I think psychologically, obviously, if things don't go well when you've changed the system, then obviously you're going to get backlash for that. So, I mean, it's a bit of a catch-22. I think he's... I, I, I always remember um, a couple of seasons ago um, when I think it was it was Dean Smith in charge and I think we done really well in the opening few games. We just drew to, uh, drew to Aston Villa on... Um, I think it was Wednesday night, um, and we played Blackburn on the Saturday. I don't always remember um, fr- um, Dean Smith saying, oh, I should have changed it in hindsight. We weren't fresh enough and stuff like that. So, I mean, there is... But he also said, why would you change a team that's just been so successful in the last few games? So, there is that um, There is that to it. I mean, yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I personally... Serge Canos had to go play a little bit more narrower to... To Tony, only once we went one um, 0 down um, did he we start to do that and start to gain a little bit more joy with the Godos and the Silver chances. But apart from that, I th- yeah, uh, I don't know. It was, yeah, it's, we can all um, you know query till 
but I just don't, yeah, I don't, I think it's gone now. We should have to move on. The only other thing I was thinking that I can't get out of my head, would you have, would you have started Brian or would you have started Fossu? Um, would you think that would have changed anything there? Uh, Fossu's got a bit more movement, hasn't he? He can perhaps come in to, inside a little bit more, but there was no space to go in inside, um, maybe a little bit more over the top. Then, yeah, I think he's quicker than Brian. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's always an option. Um, I've, I've always been uh, an advocate, and I know I've got a bit of stick for this, but I always like the idea of uh, Marcus Force perhaps going out on the left-hand side sometimes on certain games, just because then he could go a bit more narrower. Tony can drop into the 10 position, just occupy that centre-half a little bit more, and then have that out-and-out winger, i.e. a Canos, a Fosu, or Bumbamo that um, occupies um, a, f- a few players. Um, that would I, I thought that worked ex- efficiently really well against Rotherham away from home and that's not we've not really seen that since um, but yeah um, and we haven't really yeah so I mean who knows yeah Fossey's a fantastic player I think he'll he'll certainly be starting um, tomorrow night I would, I would be shocked if he wasn't yeah do you think um, do you think Mbemo would be dropped or do you think it's a rotation thing or fitness or what do you it's, it's, I think it's definitely a rotation thing um, you know I think we're now in a situation where um, Thomas Frank was sticking with Sergi Canos at the start of the season where his confidence was shot he's now having to do that now with Brian Mbwemo in my opinion he's, his confidence is shot but he show, he still shows that just that little bit of spark you know that Reading game where you know he, was, he did get more space and showed how good he can be um, and, he, and he can be a match winner on his day let's not forget how good he was last year um, before the, the the COVID break, so there is definitely a player in there. And if there's ever a team, I think that would stick with a with a player and um, realise his form, then he's definitely he, he will do that with us. Um, I don't know. I I, I quite like. Um, I've always thought. I mean, this again would be changing shape, and again you're losing a centre midfielder. But I've always thought, you know. Because as I said, you know, all I see is Brian hugging that touchline and having two men around him, and he's just having to either pass backwards and, and you know, the poor bloke hasn't got a right foot to save his life. Uh, he, I would love to see him more centrally, just in that number ten position. If we went for a four, but obviously then you're losing that defensive um, solidarity, and you'd, you'd have to have two players there to cover him. But you know, that's just another option that I'd. I'd like to see more, you know, just try and get him off the hug, um, the touchline a little bit more into that 10 position. Because I, th- I do think he played that position when he was with Toir in France before he joined us. He wasn't actually a right winger. So, I don't know. I, I, we'll, we'll wait and see. Yeah, I guess to conclude on Barnsley, it was, yeah, 2-0. It felt fair. I mean, we were we were pretty dire. We had a couple of chances, but overall... Um, they dominated like possession. They dominated where we had the ball. We we couldn't really build up anything. Um, it was um, it's definitely one to forget. And I think you hold your hands up and just say we've been beaten, and we just try and forget it and learn from it and maybe move on. Um, and uh, yeah, round the corner we've got um, we've got QPR. It's <laughs> it's it feels like um, yeah I said earlier it feels like the final whistle's gone and these games just come round and I think that's they'll use that as a positive thing um, they won't look at that negatively they'll think okay we've put in a, a performance that we're much better than and we feel like we should be beating Barnsley um, it's time to show what we can do against QPR um, yeah let, let's move on to them then um, ex-manager Warburton mm-hmm. strange job that's going on there um, it's, it's it's really weird like I'm trying to analyse them I don't know if they're really unlucky or whether they're really a good team that's just um, just not going to just it's not going to happen for them and they need changes or that it's actually coming together at the wrong time for us um, I think they've won four out of the last five yeah. um, what have you made of them over the course of a year and uh, not just uh, recently but how, how have you seen their um, their development um, yeah they're, they're a bit funny side really funny side you don't really know what side's going to turn up they could either go and you know <laughs> you don't know yeah you just don't know what you're going to get with them Um They've obviously had to change their formation because of Osiah Samuel. He's gone. He's gone elsewhere, um, and that's you know a, a war button that we didn't see at Brentford. You know he's had to. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. 
So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Go to a plan B. Um, he's he was very much um, he was a four-three-three man, and then. You know he's now taking wingers out altogether and playing with wing backs, um, and I must say that they've they've really impressed me from the last few games I've watched, um, especially against Watford. I thought um, they were excellent. Um, their press was superb. Uh, Watford looked ordinary. They looked poor, and I think that was more down to QPR made them look really poor as well. So I, I'm expecting a really tough game to. Um, Against against them tomorrow night. Yeah, it's going to be a it is going to be a tough game. Um, the reverse fixture was a tough game. We um, it went all the way. I think uh, they they scored a good goal. Rico got sucked in, didn't he? And then Samuel got that space behind and um, got a good cross in. And Dykes also missed another chance in that game. It, it felt big when he actually hit it. I think the chance had moved away a little bit, but it was another big chance which he put wide. It was um, it was a close game, and they pushed us all the way, but. They're a, um, they are a different team now and it's it's quite interesting watching their the changes and sometimes I think when you have a player who is as dominant as Samuel, Bright Samuel, that when he goes, the team can evolve a little bit yeah. and then, I dare say it, actually maybe improve. So they've gone with this 3-4-3 three, three now or 3-5-1-2 mm-hmm. and um, Jeff Cameron's like moving back into the back line and Barbe's moving out to the left centre-back and it's a little bit of like that Brentford under Thomas Frank with Barbe playing like in the deep half spaces like on his left foot just pinging passes and a bit yeah. more better in possession and they also get three defenders three deep yeah. players because none of them you trust uh, in a centre-back pairing so things are actually looking up for QPR and um, I've got something anno- annoyingly it feels like we're playing them at the wrong time yeah I think so um, again as I said I said earlier I th- I'm expecting a similar um, tactical um, shape from them. I think they would have been encouraged with how Barnsley did a job on us, and I think they will try and replicate that. Um, their their wing backs love to go and press, um, and that they kind of go like on a rotation system. So their their right centre off will then go onto the left winger, and then the left, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, they look more defensive solids. Um, they have a nice rotation with Johansson and Dominic Ball in centre midfield. One will come. Deep, and then the other one will go join the Elias chair in the ten position. And um, when they are defending, they always keep three up top, which you know we've seen with just you know set pieces. Warman, he has always, despite him actually kind of um, altering his system a little bit, he still has that little bit of an attacking intent, um, and he will try and pin you back as much as he can. Um, they, they are a little bit more direct now as well. They are, in my opinion, because they've got obviously Dykes and um, Charlie Austin, so they, they're not afraid to go long at the moment. And they will try and win that second ball um, high up. So, yeah, it'll be a really tough game. Um, but I do think at the same time it's, it is a winnable game as well because we are more than good enough to, to go and beat them. Yeah, that Watford match um, uh, was quite interesting, actually, because Watford probably lined up similar shape to how we are and I think the the 3-4-3 three, three of Q 
QPR did quite well actually against it and um I don't know if I'm probably scarred by seeing Barnsley play us recently but it's going to be it's going to be a similar shape but QPR are a little bit of an older side I think was uh, Austin and Bond and um Chair aren't then like the triple change that Barnsley could do on 56 minutes or whatever it was QPR aren't going to do anything like that and I don't know how intense Austin and Bond are going to be able to keep us and Chair just backing up as well on that front line whether they're going to put us under the same pressure or they're going to wait for us to come on to them a little bit and pick us off on the break. It's it's going to be a bit more of a cagey game instead of them probably going at us. But we'll see. We'll see how they um see how they approach the game. Um just a quick let's I've just got a little question for you here actually, because it's it's sometimes funny how like we perceive teams. Um and I think people perceive QPR as just this Mickey Mouse defensive team. But if I were to ask you how many more goals QPR supposedly awful defence has conceded than Brentford, what would you say? Oh, have, you, have you checked, or do you know? I, I, no, I haven't. I haven't checked. I, I did see it in the notes. So I didn't check. Um, oh, I go around the forty to forty-five mark. So you think they've conceded forty to forty-five? Yeah. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I'd say something similar. I feel like they concede goals for fun. Yeah. Um, QPR have conceded thirty-two goals, so they've conceded oh, wow. two more goals than Brentford, which is oh, wow. pretty incredible. I like. I don't think I wouldn't associate them with being a strong defensive team at all, but they are. They're like that's not bad at all. Um, so, so straight away, that gives you the impression that they're losing goals by the odd goal and stuff like that, and they're, they're perhaps you know struggling to get back into games a little bit. Yeah, interesting. I guess that's the defensive side. So they're not. I mean, we we we're thought of as being one of the one of the best defensive teams in the league. We haven't conceded many. We're probably being we're being a bit punished at the moment in the last sort of five six games. You can see we're being like situations are just going in when. They should be cleared, or, or players are falling over. But QPR is a little bit more in line with what they're expected con- to concede. Um, but but only two goals more than Brentford seems, um, yeah, seems impressive to me. Yeah, and I think that's only been heightened by them going with a little bit more defensive, uh, in, mm. with the five at the back. So um, and and with that formation as well, it's given those win backs a little bit more freedom. Whereas perhaps watching the first game back, you know, there was still a, a few more gaps. Uh, I think it was the first goal we scored. You know, with us going doubling up on their fullbacks and drawing their centre. I think Barbe drawing him out. You know, we are getting that space. You won't probably get that space as much tomorrow because you've got that just that extra man. So uh, it'd be it'd be um, a really tough game. Uh, I, I wouldn't. You'd be a brave man to bet on a high scoring game. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's just weird. That's why I was asking about perceptions because you think that this is going to be an open. Mm. Free scoring game and QPR don't really have much going on at the back, but um, they're an interesting team, especially from a defensive aspect. They're not they're not the pushover that probably teams uh, people think they are or have been. They're um, another something that's quite interesting as well. We can we've got some of the five thirty eight data on like non shot expected goals and the t- the strongest four teams in the division for so preventing other teams from making like dangerous passes in and around your box, like deep good possessions. Um, just creating high value stuff it's it's Brentford us Rotherham Barnsley and QPR that are just ahead of all the other teams so QPR are definitely being punished um, with goals against like they've definitely conceded more than they deserve to and um, they're doing some good stuff defensively and then another way to explain them I guess is looking at the other end like their attack Um, how many say if I asked you what um, goals wise like where do you think they are scoring wise? Do you think they've they've scored what mid table? I I I I'd say it's bottom half. I don't think they score many at all. I don't think they scored. That's just from looking at their recent results as well. To be fair, yeah. So goals four is pretty bleak for them. I mean, they've scored twenty six, which is <laughs> they've scored only five more goals than teams like Sheffield Wednesday and Birmingham, who just don't even shoot and barely barely do any attacking in their games, which is madness. Um, yeah. Looks like on what they're expected, they're like almost ten goals behind what they'd be expected to score with all the shots and chances they've had, like the quality wise. So something's going on in the attack as well. So you're a bit unlucky in defence. You're having a nightmare in attack. It's not a good recipe. And then that's what I was going to ask you as well. You've watched them a bit. Um, I've seen them a fair bit. Do you, what do you think this attack is about? Do you think it's like poor forwards, forwards gambling on Dykes, Bond, and? Um, those two players not really having much experience. Well, Bond obviously has got a bit more experience at this level, coming from non-league and then mm. a quick learn lessons in the championship. But Dykes was a bit of an import. And 
I think they've both of them have got maybe five goals this season. Samuel, not many, and now he's gone. They're trying to chair sort of plugged in. I think chair might be their top scorer actually. Do you think it's do you think it's poor forwards or there's much more to it than that? Um, it's it's difficult. I mean, just from a perception, and this is this is not going off any sort of stats or anything. For me, Dykes just never looked comfortable up front by himself, and this was in a four-two-three-one formation. He never. It just doesn't strike me as a. That that he he didn't look comfortable. He looks so much better. Now. I think he's only just come back from injury, actually. But he obviously, I think having a strike partner next to him, I think that's probably going to make it a little bit more um, of a, have a little bit more of a positive effect. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a real interesting one. All I can all I can say is that the biggest compliment I can give them, as much as it pains me, I think the most noticeable change was I think we actually changed our shape when we played QPR in the first game. Um, in in possession, we were three at the back um, and we let Rico Henry go and have that freedom down the left-hand side. That's perhaps when we got caught by, say, Samuel. But then it was the noticeable change at half-time when Pont and Shenson actually came on, if you remember, for, I think it was for Dalsgaard. And we went f- fully went free with, you know, a rigid three at the back with, I think, at the time... Macondas um, and Henry as wing backs, so I think that's the biggest comment because they made us change our shape. You know, we we don't do that often, um, and they are definitely a threat. You know, going through uh, through the through the thirds with Elias Chair, it'll be um, it will be a really tough game. Um, but as far as I think, QPR don't have that luxury of having you know Ezzy and Naki Wells and Asaya Samuel like they did last year, and perhaps they're just missing that bit of goal threat, um, that little bit of creativity. Um, and Chair, who is still very young, um, it's probably fallen on his shoulders a little bit to go and create those chances. And I think he's done done it really well. So um, yeah, it's, I, what we should be concerned as is they've looked really a lot better in the last few games, and that's what they'll they'll look to build on. And if you if you want to go on to the old schedule as well, I think they've had a, a twelve day something break as well to prepare for this game and. Uh, you know, was it the get... Rotherham match that was postponed? Was yeah, it? yes, yeah, I, th- I think so, some, something like that. And uh, so they they would have, you know, they would have had a lot more time on the training pitch to go and, um, you know, suss out suss out a few things. And you know, whereas we perhaps don't. That's not making excuses. I think that's just, you know, that's just facts, isn't it? Really. So um, yeah, tough game. But I think if we 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 are a good defensive side, I think that's what I think. Uh, when we when we sit back and we Jen out sits in front of the back four, we 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 can be we can be a very good defensive side, and that's what we've improved on so much in the last few years. So I think if we just if if we restrict Ilias Chair and try and pin their wing backs back, then I think we should be okay. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think when we sit in that four three three and everyone's compact and the lines mm. are tight between, there's not many routes through the middle, and I think it is only when you come up against. Um, teams who you've got three in midfield so you're okay there but you've also got the wing back supporting three like three forwards in the first line and then mm. I think we can get done but it's hard for teams to commit like that it's this, similar to this Barnsley conversation you, it's very it's very well talking about a system to beat Brentford but actually doing it getting out there and then enacting it for 90 minutes um, we saw Wickham they they got beat for seven because they um, stuck to their principles too much they were so high they left all that space in behind and then the game just goes from them so it's really hard to have a plan and then um, and then stick to it and make it work. And that's the, I guess that's the the skill part of football, just um, and just getting your getting your decisions to work. Um, it's quite interesting talking about chair actually. I think chair's someone we should focus on a little bit because he does feel like he's carrying that forward line a little bit. I know what you mean about Dykes. He moves in really rigid lines. He doesn't seem mobile. He, I, I, th- I don't think um, if there's much space between Dykes and the goal and there's no one around him I don't see him as a player that's going to hold on to the ball well and then move forward and bring others into play he, he still needs a lot of work in his all-round game I'm not sure what I don't know I think his size makes him feel like he's a different sort of forward than he actually is um, but chairs the complete opposite and I think if they didn't have chair this team could be in some serious trouble so he's the one that he, he his angles and the, the his body shape and the directions he can move in are, are 
pretty impressive. He doesn't doesn't stick to one wing. He plays all across the front, um, can pick up the ball, and then he can, if he is holding it and he, he feels like he needs to turn back to bring someone else in, he can, or he can just pop a shot off himself. So, so he is a really dangerous player. And I think um, Samuel might have been taking a little bit away from his game, actually. I don't know how much those two... I, I don't know, it's hard to say that. They work, probably did work well together, but now that Samuel has gone and he's given more licence and then he does have some fixed pivots like Bon and um, Austin up front where they will get hold of the ball and it'll be harder to get them off him. He's he's roaming around. Um, this front line is, is actually looking like a real threat now. I think it's also worth noting as well with that change of system and bringing in Stefan Johansson, he, he does a lot of the pressing um, for Chair and Chair can move into positions off the ball um, conserve that energy if you like whereas perhaps in a 4-2-3-1 that he would probably have to do a little bit more pressing just through central areas as the two uh, defensive midfielders would have to just drop a little bit deeper and they would be a little bit more scarce just to go and press higher so um, yeah maybe that's just taking a little bit out of his game that's what I certainly noticed from the Watford game anyway where he was able just to let Johansson do it or Dominic Ball because they could just rotate and Chair could just pick up a position where um, he was able just to free himself up a little bit yeah it's an interesting team this now Um and it definitely does feel like the worst time to be playing them. So hopefully we've um, we've had a good bit of a good bit of thinking time. Uh, yeah, do you, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of like positives. Do you think the do you think the disappointment of Barnsley and then the the gap between that and this game is going to be a positive thing? As in, we can just we we just take that that anger and disappointment and then unleash that on QPR, or is it just going to come around too fast? Um, I mean, I'm not sure. Um, all I can I, I, I won't guarantee, but I. I would be shocked if I didn't see a very, very fast QPR start for the first 20 minutes and where they will be testing our first touch. They will be, you know, try and get a bit of a psychological edge, you know, make sure. And that is, you know, where we have to be on top. We have to make sure we grow into the game. We have to make sure that we try and control the tempo, assert our authority a little bit and just make sure they don't get a leg up. Um, so that is that's that's certainly... Um, the one thing that I would, you know, urge if I was the manager. But um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, I think they always say, don't they, in the media, you know, the next game's coming around uh, thick and fast. So they, they, there's no time to think about it. They've just got to go and react. Um, so hopefully that's all we can hope for is that they, they pick themselves up and go again. Yeah, there's another um, quite an interesting question here, actually. Um, so let's um, let's just quickly explore this. Um COVID-inspired rotation and general consensus has been, due to results, that Frank has done quite well. Um, how often could or should we rotate defenders as opposed to wingers and midfielders? And um, is Pinnock, is he or any other players knackered mentally? What do you think about that? Um, potentially. Yeah, they could be. Um, but, I mean, you'd be a brave man to take out Ethan Pinnock at your, at your, at your defence. I mean, he is a threat in both boxes. He is... Um, he's so dominant in the air and I think it would be such a brave decision to take him out of that side I think um, you just hope that you know they are they are recovered properly and they are mentally strong enough to just come through this little blip but um, it's, it's, it's a good question I, I'm not sure to be fair I think uh, the fullbacks we were we were quite prone to change our fullbacks last year because I know Dalsgaard was you know, getting tired quite a fair bit last season. So Rosleff was coming. You know, I'm quite, if anything, I'm quite surprised that perhaps hasn't happened as yet. But is that due to a leadership thing where we haven't got that, you know, Pontus Janssen at centre-half? Would that have been a different story uh, where Dalsgaard is now having to play through that uh, uh, fatigue? Um, and Ethan Pinnock is one of our, you know, um, leaders in that team. So, and Mads Beck would, he needs that leader next to him. Um, so, yeah, I, for we know, you know, he could change his team tomorrow and he would just blow us out of the water. But um, for me, I, I think he'd be a. I just I can't see him dropping Ethan Pinnock at all. Yeah, I think you've. Um, uh, I think you've been a bit subtle there. I, I'd say if you drop Pinnock, you. I think you'd be mad to drop Pinnock out of this team. I reckon that's how I describe it. Uh, I, I think if if you take him out of defence and just have him sat on the bench, you're losing like a, a, a big centre back. He gets his head on stuff. Um, He's had a bit of a rough time, I think, um, uh, in individual moments. But 
he's played a lot of football and I don't, I don't know if he is tired or fatigued I don't see him playing like that I don't look at him and think this is a physically down player he looks um, he looks strong to me and I, um, the only thing I'd well probably not the only thing I'll, I'll add on this like I think when we talk about mentality in players it's generally like quite negative I think we all we just it just allows us to make stuff up about like a situation so Pinnock is mentally knackered because he's made a couple of mistakes when I don't know if it is that. I think it might be that how much that shape exploited us. And then if we think of DK's ball in across the box, um, I think whether he, he'll know what he's planning to do there. He might have scuffed a shot across and hit it harder than he planned and it just caught Pinnock off guard and he couldn't adjust his feet. Does that mean he's mentally tired or has a moment in football just happened so quickly that he can't react? Which is probably what really has happened. So it's um, it's difficult. I mean... I think the whole back four as a whole on Sunday had a bad time. I mean, I haven't seen Rico Henry have a have a bad game like that for. I mean, ever really. I'm not, I mean, he he he's so good, Rico Henry. But I mean, you know, it's not your day when he's making bad touch, first bad touch, and stuff like that. And I mean, for you know, I mean, Dale's guys right behind Pinnock. You know, maybe he hasn't given him a shout or stuff like that. And you know, it's just one little moment, one little brilliance of Barnsley, really. But maybe you know, give them credit for a good ball in, and you know, Pinnock's just not not aware. So I mean. Yeah, I, I I fully stand with that. He's, he'd be a brave man to take him out of that team. I think Mads Bet needs him next to him, um, just to kind of guide him through a game as well. Um, but yeah, uh, it'd be interesting. I, I can't see it happening. Mm. So for both of us, then same back four, no changes. No changes for me. No, no me neither. Me neither. Yeah, I, I don't see why you would. I mean, it, we're just being disproportionately. Um, affected by goals at the moment and every cross that comes in feels like it's going in and I think that's probably what we need to address a little bit we need to move back a little bit and say is is this team preventing crosses coming in as much as it was is teams are, I think do you remember back in the Preston game where they um, Preston beat us uh, 4-2 at really early in the season and it was just uh, Norgard went off injured but the whole team just collapsed and I think they got the ball forward really quickly crosses came in we couldn't deal with them and I think this is this is this. We're not. I don't think we're brilliant at defending crosses. We're okay, but I think we're better at preventing them coming in. And when we do stop that, we look a stronger team. So maybe we need to think about other parts. I think it's not. It's not just crosses for me. It's also low crosses as well. That's what I think we really struggle. I think high balls into the box. I feel like we're we're happy days. You know, we'll we'll come and deal with that every day of the week. But it's the low crosses that that really, like for me, seem a bit of a worry. Um, yeah, it's 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 a catch twenty two really, just in the system because you know, um, do you bring your wingers back, but then you also lose that attacking emphasis up, uh, in Tony becomes isolated, or do you trust your fullbacks on a one to one individual to go and deal, try and deal with that cross and make sure um, that the cross is put off, or when we the, the opposition do cross it, then we've got numbers back in the mid in the middle. So, um, yes, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. And yeah, just on Rike, what you were saying, him having a bad game. I mean, he's had he's had like 99 good games in a row and then he gets a bit unlucky. Just on that Britain goal, um, uh, sorry, on Chaplin's goal, Britain gets a lucky bounce off the back of Rico. And I think everyone stops because yeah. they, they think the move's defended and then um, it's about to be cleared and everyone stops yeah. and the only person moving is um, Chaplin, wasn't it? And Britain, the ball falls so nicely to Britain, he can just put in a lovely cross and everyone's not watching it. And I think individual moments like that make us think a lot more is wrong than it is when he's just exploited um, a really good ball that's fell in his path nicely and Rico's kind of looking around not knowing what's happened and I think games like that just happen you take those moments out of the way and then maybe Barnsley only get one and the game's a bit tighter and then something goes in for us so yeah I I don't think it's all doom and gloom and I think that's what we um, I think that's good that we've both come uh, sort of come out of this uh, um, yeah a bit of time to think and uh, we're not uh, we're not tearing our hair out and thinking mm-hmm. the whole thing needs to be ripped up <laughs> okay so on QPR then I guess um, let's not do any score predictions or anything like that what what sort of game do you think it's going to be you've already said that you think QPR are going to go for it early yeah absolutely uh, they'll go they'll 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 press high I, um, their wing backs will try and pin Rico and um, Henrik quite early doors their two um, outside centre arse their left and centre arse so Rob Dickey and Barbe will track Canos Um and Mbwemo. and so you've got your positives and your negatives to that. When you when you do do that, 
that creates space and therefore that's when we need that the silver doubling up we need Jens, Jensen or whoever plays in the field to double up in those spaces um, yeah I, I'd expect a high line from QPR as well uh, a relatively high line um, so again it could be a, is it an argue of where we just try and pop those balls try and turn their centre-halves in comparison to them turning us because that's what Barnsley did really well turning our centre-halves and our full-backs and just giving the ball back, so um, it'd be a tight game. I think it'd be a really tight game. wouldn't Wouldn't be a high scoring game, um, which probably jinx it now because it probably will. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd, I'd be a tough, really, really tough game. Um, uh, maybe a bit of a physical battle. They've got two big lads up top, so this is obviously this is when you need Pinnock and for me because you're going to win them aerial duels. He's the best, the best in in the uh, in the league for me to do that. And about winning them second balls where we don't make sure Chair and Johansson are picking them balls up um, outside the box. So, again, that's Jen out trying to, who's so good at winning them second balls, can't command it in there. Um, that's a that's that's coating over it, really. Um, that's not really giving you much. But, um, yeah, I, 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 if we can create the odd one or two chances, try and pull them out a little bit at the back then I fancy our chances yeah I'm, I'm similar I think um, Tony should have more joy against this back line than he did against Barnsley um, just because of also what goes on in front of him like that midfield battle I'm not sure um, uh, Jovanovic and um, and Ball are going to be the same influence and be able to be as intense as Palmer and um, Moet were um, that's going to be a different battle there so and I think Jensen comes back in and he wants to, he'll pull out wide and provide an option so we can get a bit of possession. I think we struggle with that. On, um, yeah, I didn't think Goga, I didn't think Godos's movement or when he did get on his touches were, were good enough in such a high intense game last time. So I, I think we'll see Jensen come in and I think it will be Fosu as well. So this should be a little bit of a freshened yep. up team and then cope with them a little bit better. Um, but yeah, on those crosses you were talking about as well, um, Low crosses seem to hurt us a little bit, don't they? Um, we should be able to deal with the high ones, but um, I think Charlie Austin's done quite well on some crosses recently, and I think he's he's a good lad in the air, and so's Bon as well. So we can't. I think I think it's one of those games where Mads and Pinnock is going to their their strengths are going to be needed in this match. They, mm. Bon and Austin want to get physical. They want to feel contact and roll and and try and push people out of the way to get a clean header. So this isn't the sort of game to be bringing in bringing in anything new yeah two two poachers I'd call you know Austin you know loves it in the fight in the six yard box uh, and so does Bond so I mean don't let them have space don't let them gain any sort of advantage or progression into the penalty box because uh, they will peel off you and if we don't um, be aware like we were against Barnsley then we will get punished 100% well yeah on that note I think we wrap things up um Jonathan, that was awesome. Yeah, I could uh, could talk for hours, um, but we've uh, unfortunately we can't because um, well, that would just be uh, a bit indulgent, and it would just probably be something that we'd like enjoy listening to, and the other listeners might not. But um, but yeah, and no, I really enjoyed that. Um, do you want to give us a shout where we can find you online or where um, people can pick up some of your stuff? Uh, well, I'm on um, I'm on Twitter, Hopi ninety five. That's mostly me ranting and raving <laughs> about Brentford at the moment, but I do hope to put a bit more of my own stuff on there soon. Uh, working on a few little bits just team profiles and stuff so yeah that'd be good just to get it out yeah great stuff yeah so hopey 95 to check out jonathan and um yeah hopefully he uh he shares some of his knowledge i know twitter's a bit sometimes people are a bit wary about putting stuff out there um but i just reckon go for it <laughs> everyone will love it i'm sure um <laughs> it's a place to be uh, <laughs> data analysis are out there aren't they getting picked yeah, up all exactly over exactly you could be um you could be getting a job at Chelsea soon. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note, uh, that leaves me to say again, thank you for Jonathan. Um, so follow Bees Tactical. There's the blog, um, the Substack account. Uh, the search word is at Bees Tactical Twitter. Um, you can find uh, the Patreon account as well, and where you can support the podcast and other bits and pieces. Um, and also review the podcast. Let us know you're enjoying it and whether you think it's good. And um, yeah, hopefully there's more. Um, thanks again to Jonathan and we will catch you next time
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.